This is Peak Too Early, presented by SAV Racing, featuring Mike Gendron, Trent Fontanella, and Steve Gendron. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the greatest running podcast in the world, Peak Too Early. I am your host, Steve Gendron, and I am joined by Mike Gendron, who is somewhere off the coast of Connecticut. Mike, how you doing? Uh, give me one second here, Steve. I'm letting my watch sink here. Maybe we should do a walk around. Oh, no, there it is. Okay, we're good. Let's start this episode. I'm good. <laughs> uh, you, had to, you had to connect to the satellite? Yeah, yeah, we had to sink in there. Okay. All right. Nice. Um, and as always, at the House of Sav tonight, we got Trent Fontanella. Trent, how you doing, buddy? Boys, I could not be better. Let me tell you this. You may not believe it. I doubled today. <laughs> I ran this morning, went to work, and my roommates talked me into running this afternoon. I I doubled. That's insane. So I, I feel I got runners high right now, guys. I'm ready for a great pod. Jeez. Way to show off, dude. But uh, so speaking of running today, I actually I did a track workout. I went to the track. A way to one up me. Yeah, yeah. So in your face, Trent. I went to the track at, at lunchtime at noon. I ran out to a little high track. Did some some eight hundred, some four hundred, and two hundreds because I got a big race coming up. Um, we'll talk about that in a second. But I was telling Trent just a minute ago. I came back and I was sitting at my computer and I was exhausted. I was so wiped. I was sitting here at my computer at like three o'clock and I was like, I need to go to bed. I'm so exhausted. I used to do that on a regular basis. I have no idea how I used to do that. Like almost every day. Like it, 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 it actually kicked the crap out of me. Yeah. I mean, it's every day of my life and all the small details, especially when it comes to the things that matter most to us, like running and drinking, I find out every single day that I'm getting too old for this crap and that this stuff we were superheroes when we were like 18 and like juniors <laughs> in high school. You could, we used to go out and we would go to practice. We would do a crazy workout. Me and my buddy would drive to Rite Aid, buy like a, a five pound bag of gummy bears, eat the whole thing. We'd eat like crap all day. We'd drink all weekend and then practice and everything was the easiest thing in the world. Running was so easy. And uh, those days are long gone, Steve. Do you guys remember the myth of like waking up exercising and then that like gets you woke up for your day and like gives you energy and gets you focused? Yeah, that was true maybe like five years ago. Now if I run in the morning before work, I am just sitting there like trying to keep my head up from falling asleep. Get me a large coffee. That's the only thing that gets me through. Working out needs to be the last thing I do in my day or else I'm not getting through the day. <laughs> yeah. I used to be a firm believer in like the 8 a.m., 7 a.m., 6 a.m. workout. That gets me up and fired up. My God, those days are so long gone. So long gone. But anyways, I alluded to it a little bit earlier. I got a big race coming up. I talked about it on a, a podcast a couple weeks ago. Uh, I got a beer mile this week down in North Carolina, Bond Brothers Beer Mile. I've been training for it. I've been doing track workouts. I've been doing my 12-ounce repeats. Today, I did something new today that I haven't done. I haven't done before. I realized I can't drink beer in the middle of the day. So what I did was when I came back, I poured four uh, seltzers out, and I chugged the seltzers, which are actually very hard to chug. 
um, because the carbonation is really intense. It actually really hurts. So I chugged those down. I chugged one down, waited a minute, chugged another one. Now he went down the line and did all four. Guys, I feel like Rocky in like the, you know, the the Russian winter, you know, training for this beer mile. I'm like just looking at my picture of Ivan Drago on my mirror, you know, climbing up mountaintops, screaming out his name. I'm ready to roll. I'm ready to crush this thing. Yeah. And Steve, you're doing your uh, track workouts. You're do you're getting your miles and you're doing your beer workouts. You're getting your 12 ounce reps in, you're getting your uh, seltzer chugs going. And today you did your mental prep because who, who, who better could you have to talk to on the podcast today than the American record holder in the beer mile setting you up and getting you ready to go for this beer mile. Oh, we have quite a treat for the listeners today. We have the American record holder in the beer mile, Chris Robertson. He's the man. We had him on. We talked some socks and beer mile. We talked about his efforts to qualify for the Olympic trials. He just got back from a super cool trip um, to the Grand Canyon where he ran he ran rim to rim. Um, but just a super awesome dude. I'm I'm so happy we had him on. Let's yeah, he, he was awesome. I mean, it was so much fun talking to him. He's just a, a regular dude, a guy who loves running, but at the end of the day, is the exact kind of person that we're trying to promote on this podcast, right? Like, just your average your average dude who loves running, loves having a good time, and wants to make this sport more fun than a bunch of nerdy guys in split shorts uh, counting their splits or something like that. Apparently, he's a, he's a big Miller Lite fan, too. We'll, we'll hear that later in the podcast. And the guy is a, a record holder, an American record holder, an incredibly impressive feat. But it is the like the thing we can most relate to, almost. The, the situation he does not he talks about like running beer miles. Just the way that we would envision running beer miles, or we have run beer miles, and like those those crazy tracks and things like that. Um, it's It should be a bigger deal. I don't know why he's come on a podcast with us. I mean, he should be like the man. I guess he knows where we're going. Yeah, for sure. So let's get into it. Here for you guys, here for the listeners, we have Chris Robertson. He has a 446 beer mile. So just to recap what a beer mile is, that's running a mile and drinking four beers in all under five minutes. Here you go. Let's go! Let's go! Let's go! Let's go! Let's go! Let's go! everybody we are here with the american record holder in the beer mile chris robertson chris welcome to peak too early thanks for having me i appreciate it well so we, we we reached out to you because you know all of us are former college distance runners and you know we've been trying to stay in shape we just ran the boston marathon um some of us a little slower than others um but we decided that this summer we're going to turn our focus on to the beer mile. Um, so we figured we'd reach out to you. So uh, first off, congratulations on uh, on the American record. That's very impressive. Thank you. Appreciate it. So I, I got to start off. I got a quick question for you before we really get into the nitty gritty of this. Um, so I've noticed that in all of your beer miles, you tend to drink Blue Moon. Why Blue Moon? Uh, that's, a, that's a more recent thing for sure the past couple of years, uh, mostly because the standard seems to be Budweiser or Bud Light Platinum if you're going bottles because uh, there aren't many twist-off options. But Blue Moon seems to be a little less carbonated, so that's really the only reason. I like the taste, less carbonated. I've had some issues with the Budweiser's kind of foaming up a lot, so 
I don't know, but I'm open to trying other things too. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> dead set. I don't think that's the secret weapon. That's just, uh, just what I've gone with the past few times. Now, when you're at the bar with your friends, are you ordering Blue Moons or is this a beer miles strict choice only? I'd say 50-50, yeah. Blue Moon definitely comes up, so I enjoy it. So maybe that helps a little bit during the race that uh, I don't dislike the taste uh, that's going in. I don't really know. You're always training, even on Friday, Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the bars. Yeah, that's 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 how you can justify the drinks with friends, right? <laughs> it's all, you're always training. Your <laughs> well, right. well, that brings up a good point. So, like, <laughs> is there a specific beer mile training that you do, or is that just like called like Saturday night? Like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, no, definitely different. Uh, I don't really do a whole lot, to be honest. Really, all it is is just uh, the main thing is leaving some empty beer bottles uh, by the sink, and instead of drinking water out of a pint glass or <laughs> a, or, or a normal cup. Uh, just filling up beer bottles with water and slamming them. So oh, all right. ju- I'm just doing that probably, I don't know, six to eight bottles a day just by default, just kind of whenever I am thirsty. And yeah, that, that helps out. You get your technique down so that it comes out easily. And then also if you do a few of those back to back, you kind of get your stomach used to having like 36 ounces uh, in it all at once. So that's other than that, it's just running. I mean, it's really comes down to who the fastest runner is for the most part. Um, because everyone can kind of chug about the same speed at the races. Yeah, so, so that leads me to a very important question. It sounds like you kind of already answered it, and it sounds not good <laughs> for me. Do you think for my beer mile training, drinking a lot or running a lot is more important? Because I can tell you which one <laughs> I've been doing more. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so you can definitely improve a lot by getting the chugging technique down. So that's warranted, for All right, sure. Okay. Um, All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think... Uh, until you're at the point where you can finish your lap running and just all in one go get the whole beer down until you can do that there's definitely room for improvement once you can kind of do that there's not a whole lot of speed you can gain from from chugging i mean if you can do it all in one go then that's it but until you can do that definitely that's a huge a huge time saver to not have to take a breath in the middle of the beer so i saw probably one of the most impressive things i've ever seen on your instagram where you posted, I think it was pretty recently. Um, if you're not following Chris, you got to go do it right now. It's a, it's a great follow on Instagram. But I think you posted how you ran your 8K PR earlier in the day, and then you were standing in your kitchen, and you chugged six beers in less than a minute. It was very, very impressive. <laughs> yeah, not something I do all the time, but uh, <laughs> definitely uh, when, when there's something to celebrate, sure, why not? And uh, yeah, I mean, that... That really, that is the beer mile training. If you can, uh, you can drink that much volume of liquid in a row and feel okay stomach wise, then that's really all you need for the beer mile. So yeah, it just, uh, you know, trying to have a little bit of fun, uh, not take running too seriously. For sure. Well, I mean, that it's funny you say that. I mean, because, you know, I mean, we kind of talked a little bit about before we interviewed you, but that's kind of the, really the goal here is people do take running too seriously. And, you know, I think we're of the mindset. We like to train hard. We like to work hard and we really like to compete, but we really like to have fun with the people we're doing it with. And, you know, it seems like you're, you're definitely doing that for sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of a part of a couple different clubs here in the Chicago area. And it, that's definitely the theme is that it's everyone at the practice itself or when you're doing your run, of course you take it seriously. But outside of that, uh, I, I don't think it's worth it for me to sacrifice all other parts of my life just to run fast. Um, so I definitely still 
have fun with friends, like to do other activities besides running. Um, so yeah, that's a huge part of it. I think if you have the balance too in your life and you're not just like all in on a race or something, it alleviates a lot of pressure on yourself too. And then you end up doing better because of it in the race. So yeah, I, I really enjoy that part of it. Um, and especially at a, a pretty early age, I realized I wasn't going to be talented enough to go pro and running. So if all I did was care about running, I'd be, it'd be pretty sad life for me. Um, when I, when I realized that there's a lot of dudes that can beat me. Yeah. The balanced lifestyle you're talking about that, that comes through a lot on the Instagram. Steve mentioned that the blog you have, you've done some posts and kind of on that theme. What's the goal with like growing your brand and, and spreading that kind of message? It almost seems pretty similar. Like Steve was saying to what we're saying, what do you, uh, like, what do you want to do with your Instagram and your blog and how big do you want to get that? That's a good question. I, I don't really know. I'm just kind of having fun with it. I think the main thing, so the beer mile was kind of the, the first start of it. Um, and then I started doing the blogging thing through uh, Fleet Feet, which I'm a part of that team in Chicago. So it just kind of all came together like that. Uh, I, I really don't, I don't know. I don't really have a, a, a future planned out or anything like that. It's just, I enjoy writing. I enjoy doing the beer mile, I enjoy running, just kind of doing all those things. So that's pretty much all I'm doing. And, uh, I don't know, they kind of feed off each other pretty well, I think. For sure. Yeah. So Chris, I don't want to spend the whole podcast talking about the beer mile because there's, you know, you got plenty of other stuff going on <laughs> in your running life, but I do want to know. So you're, you know, the second fastest beer miler of all time. Are you going to go after that world record at any point? The world record will for sure be tough. Uh, big okay. props to Corey. So I kind of, as I alluded to earlier, Everyone at the at these world championships every year, pretty much everyone can chug at the same rate. So everyone's doing like six to eight seconds per beer, give or take. Uh, so then it really just comes down to who's the fastest. And the guy that has the world record is a sub four miler, like runs professionally. Um, he's a beast. So I, I don't think a world record is probably in question. <laughs> I think there's a very, very, very small probability that I could beat him on the right day if he ha if he struggles gotcha. with a beer or something like that. Um but I think I think I definitely could could run in the 430s um, okay. potentially. So that would be my goal to see if I can break 440 this summer uh, and see how well I can do at the World Championships again. And maybe if Corey isn't having the best day, maybe I could beat him. But um, yeah, if I can run under 440, then whatever happens happens. I mean that'll that'll put me in the right position to do that. So sure. uh, so are you going to keep pursuing beer mile? Then is that it's not something you're given up on your you're still pursuing it but you're not necessarily sure that the the world record is in hand yeah that's kind of what i'm thinking at this point um for sure this year the world record i mean i'm just not fast enough to do that um got to be a lot faster but yeah uh the the beer mile there's a beer mile world championship that happens every year it's a race called the beer mile world classic um and so that's this year in Berlin in August. So I'll do that again. And I do that every year, wherever it is in the world. Uh, and that's a blast. It's basically just a reunion with people from around the world who are ba uh, just go for the shenanigans, more or less. I mean, the race, <laughs> the race is a lot of fun. It's kind of a bragging rights competition. And then uh, it's just fun to see, see all the guys and gals that do it and hang out with them. So um, looking forward to that. And that that's pretty much the extent of my beer miling, I guess. It's hard to it's hard to find people to do it with in Chicago. And on top of that, it's also, uh, you know, illegal at public tracks and sometimes <laughs> it stops around. So it, it's hard to find a place that's not super populated in Chicago to do them. So it really just ends up coming down to doing it yearly at the, 
at the at the world championships i'd love to do it more though if there's people to do it with i'd love to um it's it's a lot of fun you're looking at us chris i'm thinking uh, i should come out to massachusetts and uh get that um get that miller light record in massachusetts Damn, and steal both of yours i listened to that last episode and i was like man i should just get on that plane and go to boston tomorrow and take down oh. both those records chris, chris take the massachusetts record leave the miller light record for us <laughs> All right, that's fair. I can do that. <laughs> Chris, he talked about the police and that, and that's kind of one of my favorite things about the beer mile, like the one that I've done and the few that I've spectated, is you end up on a high school track somewhere, and maybe it's the middle of the day. In your in your American record video, there's just people playing soccer. There's people walking around. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah. Think, wow, this is such a physical like feat, and nobody has any idea what's going on. But you ever been in trouble by the cops? Has anybody yelled at you? You ever like trampled a, a 50 year old like walker in lane one? Not yet. No. Uh, in college, we usually just did it after dark at yeah, like you said, either a middle school, a high school, or at, or at our university track. But um, just kind of waited till there's no one around. In Chicago, there's always people around, so. Yeah, I just kind of went for it. Um, there's been a few times I've actually shown up to the track to do one, and there are cops in the area just kind of patrolling the park, and so I have to bail and not do it. But on that particular day, there were no cops around, and so just went for it. I don't care if people see. I just don't want to get fined or arrested. That's the main thing. <laughs> I mean, I've been I've been trying to think about, like, how we could do, like, a semi-official beer mile, and that's been my biggest problem. It's, I have no idea where we do it. It's just like, you know, maybe yeah. could you – is there a way to like officially map out a course without it being on a track or does the beer mile standard need to be on a track? As of right now, it needs to be on a track. Um, but this is like the most common problem. So the flow track, I'm sure you're familiar, used to do the, um, they started the beer mile world championship um, and they did it in a parking lot on private property because of that same exact reason they were planning on doing it on a track and then ended up not being able to get um basically like liquor license insurance for the event was like through the roof because there's alcohol involved, all that sort of stuff. So they bailed on public property and did it on private property. Um, and that's part of the reason the beer mile world classic race that's every year in the summer. That's why it's international because the laws are better. Um, so it's in Berlin, it's going to be easier to put it on than in the U S. So that's yeah. a very common issue. And, uh, it really sucks. I know there's also a race in, uh, Indianapolis that I'm interested in doing that was supposed to be on June 1st um, and it was going to be on the roads but they ended up having legal problems and had to push it out to August so mm -hmm. yeah very very common issue um, and I have not heard of anyone who's found a good solution to that unless you're doing it somewhere on private property or just happen to have a city who's cool with it I guess yeah I mean I I just directed my first uh first road race this past winter and so I I you know dove into it. I de dealt with the city and it was hard enough getting a regular road race passed and, you know, yeah. getting the permit for it. I can imagine going down there telling them I want to do a beer mile and getting laughed out of the office. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I got to figure a way to do this. So, yeah, I, it, I think it'd be super fun to have it be, even if it is not even a measured course, like it doesn't have to be perfect. Just down the streets of a downtown, like having a beer mile, it'd be a blast. It'd be I super mean, fun. So cool. It'd bring a lot of people out, be a great chance for like beer um, breweries to sponsor the event, get some marketing in. Uh, yeah, I think it'd be a blast. So I'm actually doing one on, um, let's see, a week from tomorrow, uh, next Thursday. 
down in North Carolina called the Bond Brothers. It's a the Bond Brothers Brewery. They have a great running culture down there. They do group runs from from that that brewery every every week. Um, and once a year, they do this awesome beer mile. And it's right along this like old rail trail, this old you know oh, train cool. tracks that they convert into a running path. And they dig, they map out a quarter mile, and you kind of run through and you drink the beer on the premises of the brewery. So that's how they get around everything. And then you run out along the rail trail. So I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. So. Yeah, that's a good way to do it. I haven't heard of that, but that that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And now I know you're trying to break our record before us, so maybe you won't give us. But what advice do you have for Steve as he gets out there? Like he's only got a week. He can't really do too many workouts. But what would you tell him? I'd say just just chug the water out of if you're going with cans, chug the water out of an empty can. If you're going with bottles, chug the water Uh, and especially doing it after doing some like just run down the block really fast. So you're out of breath and then try to chug chug the just chug water i mean if you can do that then then you'll do just fine i'm sure you guys can all uh handle the beer that's not the concern so (laughs) just just about getting it down as fast as possible between running which is definitely tough when you're out of breath so chris on the 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 point of strategy my first beer mile that i ever ran i took the strategy uh i thought you know the uh, more you drink you know, you get a little drunk, it might get a little bit easier to drink. So I decided to get a little drunk before I ran the race. <laughs> what, what do you think of that strategy? I, I, I can definitely say I've done it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily a bad thing. I guess it kind of comes back to the, uh, comes back to the, uh, you need to still be able to run as fast as you can. Yeah. I don't know how easy that is to do off of a couple of drinks, but, um, that was certainly something that I've seen before where people would have like, take like a shot or two, like 20 minutes before, just to kind of prime the system as they say. Uh, yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't have I mean, pros, or, pros or cons. I will say the days where there's like for world championship races, when they're typically in, in the evening, I will around lunchtime chug a beer and then two waters like right afterwards. So then that way I get used to the, like get a feel for the carbonation and get a feel for the volume the day of just, not not enough to like affect me five hours later at the race, but just to get something down. So I don't know. Maybe there's some logic behind that. I don't know if it makes a difference, but yeah. So you said like people have like one or two shots or one beer. The the problem is I had like way more than that, and it didn't end well for me. I ended up puking all over the track, and yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend it. I just wanted to see what you thought of it. <laughs> yeah, not more than not more than we'll say two drinks ahead of time. That's probably about the cap. <laughs> Oh man. So we're going to do something right here. Um, so you gave me a little advice, you know, a little, little, uh, you know, strategy on, you know, what to do during the race and, you know, what to do to prepare for the race. Um, what about technique? Do you got any technique? So what I'm going to do is I got a bottle of beer right here. So if you can give me some technique, I'm going to chug this right now. We're going to time myself chugging it and, uh, see if your, if your, uh, technique coaching helps. Oh man. Okay. Uh, let's see. So, a couple things. One is to eliminate having too much foam. Don't just like straight vertical the bottle. Um, try to keep it like if you're thinking the bottle as parallel to the, or yeah, parallel to the ground, keep it a little bit above that, but don't just like straight vertical it. Um, uh-huh. That would be one. Um, the other is uh, 
not putting like don't seal your lips around it and have yeah. it go like glug 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 that's a bad way to chug basically just like stick the bottle down your throat more or less <laughs> and just just swallow as fast as you can i, I don't okay. really know how to describe that but all right so, yeah that, that's about all i got all right. after that we're gonna try this we're gonna try yeah, it let's go steve <laughs> what's a good time what's yeah. your so fresh like High fives, low six seconds is like about the fastest people can do out of a bottle. Um, seven or eight's like pretty, pretty standard. Okay. Right. Yeah. All right. So Mike, give me, you got a time on this, Mike? Yeah. Give me, give me one second to pull this up here. All right. We got the stopwatch. Do you want to say go or you want me to say go? You say go. All right. Ready, set, go. How's that technique go, Chris? How's that technique <laughs> Oh man, this isn't gonna cut it. This isn't world record, world record pace right now. All right, we got eleven point one seconds. Oh boy! All right, we gotta he's, work on that. We gotta work on it. He's got some work to do, Chris. He's got some work to do. That's all right. Sing. <laughs> Woo! Getting a little, getting a little buzz on the podcast. Nothing better than that. <laughs> That's the first time, probably since college, I've chugged out of a bottle, but it is challenging. So, yep. So on Thursday, it's going to be out of cup. So we don't need to worry about the bottles until we go for the Miller Lite record. So there you go. All right. So, Chris, now that we've completely squeezed every ounce of uh, <laughs> conversation out of the beer mile, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, transition a little bit here. So, you were just at the Grand Canyon doing some some kind of crazy run. Can you tell me a little about what you were doing there? Yeah, that was just uh, some friends uh, suggested that we run rim to rim to rim of the Grand Canyon. Uh, and we kind of were just talking about it during New Year's. We were all together and we we're like, yeah, why not? Let's do it. So we just set a okay. date and decided to do it. Uh, yeah, that was a blast. That's something that's kind of always been on my the back of my mind on my bucket list. Like at some point in my life, I want to run rim to rim to rim for whatever reason. I've heard other people do it. And yeah, we basically just did it. We maybe were slightly underprepared and just like <laughs> just in the sense that we, I don't know, just kind of assumed we could do it. Didn't necessarily like train specifically for it or anything, but it worked out really well and it was a blast. Uh, cool. It was it was a lot of fun. So how far of a run was it? Uh, it's about 45 miles. So 45 miles and like 12,000 feet vertical. So definitely tough. Uh, I had to take six days off afterwards to let my quads (laughs) recover. Um, But I I expected that going in. So no big deal. Um, But yeah, I don't know. It's fun to just do random stuff like that. I was kind of at the end of a spring road racing season, I guess you could say. So it it was a good cap to that and good to take a little break. And then now I'll try to start training for uh, some fall races. Cool. How did your, um, I read that you were trying to, you were, you know, set a goal of maybe qualifying for the Olympic trials in the marathon. How did that go for you? So that's, uh, hasn't gone great the past year. Um, my PR in the marathons is from like two and a half years ago now. Uh, but I'm hoping to make a good run at it this fall. Um, signed up for, I'm going to do Chicago marathon. And then depending on how that goes, um, maybe also do CIM in December, um, also signed up for Indy Monumental Marathon in November. So I'm, I'm kind of <laughs> giving myself a few shots just depending sure. on how training's going and we'll see what happens. I, w- I really want to do it. I don't know. It'll, it's definitely a big stretch goal to drop, uh, five minutes off my time, but we'll, we'll see. Is that it? You're, you're five minutes away. Yeah, I'm at my best is at two twenty four, So I guess a little over five minutes, uh, like Pretty five, damn, five yeah. and a half, six minutes. Yeah. So it's, it'll be a big drop, but 
don't know. There, there's a shot. Definitely less than a 50-50 shot, but there's a shot if all goes well. And you're a Chicago native, so doing it in Chicago would be pretty special, huh? Yeah, that would be cool. The crowd is amazing there. The, the only bad thing about Chicago Marathon is there's not much crowd the last, like, 10K. Uh, all the crowds in the beginning, so most people really? end up going out too fast and dying. That's kind of that's kind of the standard there because there's no one out there to bring you home. But it would be, yeah, it would be a blast to do it here, and it's easy for me because I just, you know, sleep in my bed and don't have any uh, logistic issues. Yeah, we get so excited about Boston, and I do think it's it's the best marathon, but then we all look around and we live in Boston, so you hear people from Chicago, and they say it's the best, and they say it's a good time, so definitely, I know I've thought about getting out there. It seems like it'd be a lot of fun to do. Yeah, I think it's uh, definitely a good one. It, it's the fastest course I think I've done, and also just the crowd is, there's so many people around you that help push you throughout the race, because it's a really deep field, so yeah, definitely if you want a PR, it's a good place to do it. I will not be joining you, Trent. Marathons <laughs> are the worst thing in the world. Agree. Agree. Um, Chris, so one, I, I guess probably the main purpose of this podcast, right, is we're kind of trying to drop the stereotype of the negative stereotype of runners, right? And I think a lot of people have bad images of runner, you know, this kind of stuck up in your face, nerdy type of runner. So we're, we're trying to break that stereotype and grow the sport, get people more interested in it, get people to follow the sport, right, and get excited about it. Because what we found is we were all college distance runners. And when we left college, we stopped following it. We stopped caring. And we're like, well, it's a sport we love. Why aren't we following it more? So I guess w one thing we're asking all of our guests is, what, what are things that we can do? Obviously, the beer mile is like a cool thing to get people excited about. But what are things that we can do to get people excited about this sport, get people to start following the sport a little bit more? Yeah, that's a tough question. I think uh, kind of the beer mile has really introduced this mindset in me that I think that having running racing being a lot more like other sports in that there's like betting, there's drinking at the stadium there's all that sort of stuff i think and i don't know like what you specifically could do um for that but i think that's a big part of it is just the culture around it um it's crazy that you can go to the the track and like bet on horses but you can't bet on humans racing yeah. each other so i think that would be awesome um there was a little bit of that at the flow track beer mile championships um people just it was like craft beer festival in the middle of the track. And so everyone there is basically drunk off their ass. Like <laughs> definitely some side bets going on, all that sort of stuff. And that makes it a lot more fun when people kind of have a stake in the race. So I would love to see that just for the sport as a whole. Um, and then, yeah, I guess just more, more emphasis on just kind of the quirky, like odd events, like beer miles one, but even just like challenge type events or I guess relay events, all that sort of stuff just kind of helps add to the camaraderie and team atmosphere of it. Yeah. Get rid of the 200. That's our number. <laughs> Get rid of the 200, man. 200 is the worst event in the world. Everybody qualifies, qualifies for it. And it takes in two hours, every single track meet to run the damn 200. Anybody who complains about watching a 10 K at a uh, track meet, it's like the two, the, the 25 heats of the 200 exactly. that we get is going to take longer than the 10 K. Exactly. Ridiculous. Yeah. It's, track is almost a unique issue in that there's way too many events in general. Like the meets just take too long. So it's kind of a unique issue in that way where that's why I think like, yeah, road racing or um, uh, cross country can be a lot more fun if you're going around loops or whatever, where like an audience can see you the whole way and, and watch the race. And it's just one event. It's one and done. And then everyone can go to the bar and do whatever the hell they want to do afterwards. But sure. yeah. 
Those all-day track meets are painful. Before we, we move on here, uh, give us a chance to get super fired up, Chris, that you brought up uh, gambling as degenerate gamblers. <laughs> and what you're right here is really like our essential tenant for like, what can we do to make running more popular? Bet on it. We bet on everything. Mike bets on like women's NIT college <laughs> like, at 10 in the morning. Yes. It's crazy. So if we can bet on that, we bet on the indoor and outdoor NCAA like track championships. We try and bet on marathons between ourselves. So I, I love that you love that. That's got me all fired up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know in Vegas they had um, betting on like Olympics for track, but I think that's about it. I don't know. Yeah, just typical races. I don't know how common it is. Yeah. No, I was, uh, I went to, I was traveling with one of my coworkers in Pittsburgh and one night we went to the casino there and they had a sports book and we walked, we walked up to it and it was during March madness. So we were planning on, you know, making some bets on, on some of the basketball games and they had track on one of the TVs and I got all excited. I ran up to the window and I was like, I was like, do you guys have lines on the track? This is awesome. They're like, Oh no, we're just waiting for the basketball game, basketball game to come on. (laughs) Of course. Yeah. Yeah. But but to your point, I mean, like, so one thing that we've joked about, kind I guess kind of joked about, but also kind of serious about is like, if the, if nobody else is going to be the, the bet makers, the bookmakers for track, like, why not us? So like in the past, like we have, we put lines on the Boston Marathon, we put lines on uh, indoor nationals for uh, track, and we're going to put lines on outdoor nationals. And as we kind of start to grow our product and get people listening and interacting with us, who knows, maybe we'll, we'll make that a, a mainstream thing. I so love if you it. thought if you thought it was hard to get a permit for a beer mile, <laughs> yeah. Try getting a try getting a permit for a sports book. Mike. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I, we'll stick with the informal uh, lines. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Grow the cult following first, and That's then right. uh, figure it out from there once you have numbers. I like it. <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, so um, it's been awesome having you on. Um, you're a super interesting guy. Um, before we let you go, we're going to play a, a quick game with you called down the home stretch. Mike, do you want to, do you want to tell Chris a little bit about down the home stretch? Yeah. So we, this is a, a game that we play with all of our, all of our guests. And basically I'm going to put 90 seconds on the clock. We're going to pick a category and we're going to ask you rapid fire questions. Your category, we're heading back to where we started is just in general beer. So okay. you're going to get 90 seconds worth of rapid fire. I'm about to start the clock with my first question. My first question is. What's your favorite beer in the world? Not one particular one, but I'd say any Hefweizen. Okay. Chris, how fast can you do Edward 40 hands? Um, I've done it 10, ca- 10 minutes casually. I'd say probably two to three minutes. I bet I could. Oh, my God. It depends on if vomiting's allowed. If vomiting <laughs> isn't allowed, I'd say about eight or nine minutes, maybe. Wow. Two or three might be more impressive than your beer mile. <laughs> <laughs> um, what event would be more entertaining? Beer pole vault or beer javelin? Oh, man. Uh, either way, people could die. Um, <laughs> I'd say <laughs> I, I kind of uh, I'll go pole vault. There's more risk there. It'd be more fun to watch. Chris, what's your favorite light beer? Um, Miller Lite, of course. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, Chris, how fast could you run a beer 5K? Is that 12 beers? 12 beers. 12 beers? Oh, man. Um, I will say 20 minutes, but there's going to be puking. <laughs> um, what's better, post-race beer or post-long run beer? Ooh. Um, post-race if it's a PR, but post-long run because it just hits so much quicker. 
Chris, how, how many beers is, a, is acceptable or appropriate to have before you go on a run? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna cap it at if it's an easy run, let's cap it at three. Okay. Last question, Trent. Ooh, this is the pressure. Um, Chris, why do you wear a glove when you chug beers, and do you wear a glove at the bar on a Friday night? <laughs> <laughs> no, but that should be the new style. No, uh, two reasons. One, um, gripping the cap so that you don't slip, and so it comes off. Number two. Um, if you're going fast, sometimes the caps can get and cut your skin basically. And you start bleeding. So those two reasons. I just thought you were a big Michael Jackson fan. (laughs) (laughs) Chris, thank you so much for coming on. This is very nice of you to, to, to join us. Um, if you're not already following Chris, find him on Instagram, check out, he's got a website. You can check out his blog, Chris, where else can people find you? Uh, those are really the main things. I have a Twitter. I don't really use it. So don't follow me there. Um, I'd say, I'd say Instagram's about the best way to do it. Awesome. Thanks what's, so much. What's your handle, Chris? Uh, Chris Robertson, 10, one zero okay. at the end. Yep. Not Corey Robertson. <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Chris. Cool. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. It was fun. Chris. Thanks again for coming on. He was an awesome dude. What a great interview. Um, so happy we got to talk to him. Um, he seems like he's he's really into what we're doing, and I think we're going to include him in some stuff going forward. You know, maybe there's a there's a uh, maybe a, a beer mile opportunity in the future. Maybe we can we can do one with him. Um, we did tell him he could come and steal the the Massachusetts state record from us. That's fine, but leave the Miller Light record for us. We'll, Stay uh, away we'll, from that Miller Light yeah. record. Please. Please, Chris, we're begging you. Leave yeah. us the Miller Lite record. <laughs> oh, man. But, again, thanks for coming on, Chris. Um, that was a great interview. Um, Mike, you, you had something you wanted to share with the listeners. Yep. So, Steve, you know, I've had some some classic rants on this, uh, this podcast throughout the episodes that we've had. But this rant that I have is boiling inside me stronger than maybe even the Joe Castiglione rant. From the very first episode. So here's what happened. This past weekend, I was at the uh, NCAA New England Championship outdoor track meet. And I'm there watching the meet, having a grand old time, watching my uh, the old school boys from Stonehill tear it up. And I'm watching the uh, 1500 meter. And I'm with a group of current Stonehill students. And we're watching, and their boy is in second place he's like sitting waiting lucas taxers waiting to try and be a new england champ and they're all cheering him on going crazy and they take him like maybe a step or two onto the track and overrolls mr track official acting like the biggest jerk in the entire world instead of coming over and handling the situation by saying hey boys your guy's gonna get disqualified you can't be on the track. He comes over, guns ablazing. Who do you guys think you are? Get off this track. Are you running? Or are you running? No. Get off the track. Get back on the grass. What is it like just being screaming like an absolute maniac, an absolute power trip of, of a person? Whatever. So he goes on a, a five-minute rant screaming at these kids instead of handing it like a, an adult that he is. He's an old-ass man. So whatever, an hour goes by. Later on, it's a different event. It's like the four by four, and he flips out, 
flips out on one of the other coaches, screaming at him. Literally, this is like a 40-year-old man. He's now like in his face, and he's screaming at him. He's saying, are you an athlete, sir? Are you running in this meet? Then what is your foot doing on this track? And Steve, Trent, I have had it with track officials. They are the oldest crustiest, just most grumpy and Preach, Mike. miserable people on the planet. And I apologize to all of the good track officials out there. But I I'm haven't sorry. met one. I haven't met I'm one. Sorry. This percentage of just awful, mean, just very, like, just, ah, oh God, makes me so angry. These people, the percentage of track officials who act this way and are just the most power-hungry people on the planet have ruined it for all officials. I can't handle it anymore. They are one of my least favorite people on the planet. On the planet. Mike, I am sitting here. I, we didn't know what you were going to talk about. We knew you had a little bit of a rant today. Uh, I didn't know what you were going to talk about. As soon as you brought up the term track official, my blood started boiling. Because these people, what is wrong with them? Like what is like what what about being a track official gives you the right to be the biggest ass on the planet? I have so many stories about like how these people have just acted completely unreasonable, completely irrational. Like I don't know what it is. Like I, I so I'll tell you one story. I was at this is not in a this is not a meet I was running at. Um, it was an indoor. It was at Reggie Lewis Center. And it was a, I think it was like a, a state meet, high school state meet. And I was just kind of standing off the track and you know, you have the bank track and um, people kind of lean, lean against the track there and kind of watch people run. And there's in, it's a state meet. So it's kind of packed. And this one gentleman who had been posted up there for a really long time, you know, he, he obviously had somebody he wanted to watch. And well, I think it was the, the 400 or 800. I can't remember what event it was. Um, and the girls are lining up. It was like, you know, it was one of the lower heats and, you know, out of nowhere, this track official kind of comes over and kind of kind of gets in his way a little bit. And he, he just very nicely looked up at the guy. He's like, he's like, hey, bud, um, my daughter's about to run. I've been waiting for her all day. Is there any way you could just move over a little bit? And the guy goes up against the guardrail and stands directly in front of him, never looks at him, never acknowledge him and just crosses his arms and stands right in front of him. And it's like. And I was just standing there and I was like, I don't expect anything less from track officials. I don't know what it is. They're, they're, every single one of them is an ass. Dude, I don't, and my favorite part about this is, Mike, I was not the New England Championships. Uh, Steve, I certainly wasn't whatever meet you were at. I was you know, far away. I know exactly what those officials look like. Like, I can picture this story. Where they're yellow they jackets. All look, yes, exactly the same, too. They're all old and white and males, and they've been doing it for 50 years, and I can see it in my head exactly how it played out. And they, they just crave this power. They think that they are the most important people on the planet Earth because they're officiating the, uh, you know, Reggie MIAA high school state championship they think they're the you know king of the world it's like it it's been boiling inside me for years and this incident was like the last straw for me when i was just sitting there watching this man just scream at college kids telling them that they were he was about to disqualify the new england champion of the 1500 meters because they took a couple steps on the track with no warning with no nothing just straight to total fire total screaming in their face it was 
pathetic and it's like it's embarrassing for our sport it's yeah. truly embarrassing yeah. You know what drives me crazy, too, is I feel like they pick the wrong battles, right? Super excited fans getting in lane eight during, like, a 1500 race to, to just cheer on your, your teammates or your fellow college kid. That's awesome. You see, like, dumb, oblivious, like, parents or random spectators or, like, just, like, shot putters or something walk across the indoor track in a crowd indoor track meet and almost just bulldoze the milers coming around and nobody says anything to those guys like they they just pick the wrong battles they get fired up over the wrong things yeah and, and try, it's not it's not even that i have a problem with them telling people that they can't be in lane eight right it's it, that is you you wouldn't see on a, a a football game right like fans on like the inside of the out of bounds line right like there shouldn't be people on the track but it's, there's a way of handling it. There's a way of going up. It, it, okay, and two, if there's like like serial offenders, like they're constantly on the track no matter how many times they get warned, but the first time somebody's on the track and you want to tell them not to be on the track, there's a way to do it. You can just say, hey, listen, guys, there's a rule where we can't have anybody on the track and you, you're subject to your team getting disqualified. If you are on the track, please just stay on the grass. That's how it should be handled not coming in guns and blazing and not coming in acting like a child. That shouldn't be how it is. Just act, just be a human being. Act yeah. like a human being and have the appropriate response to the offense. Yes, if somebody's about to get hit in the head with a shot put, please yell at them. Let them know that they are in extreme danger and, and be firm about it. If, if, you know, if somebody, like you said, steps out in lane eight to cheer on their teammate, just be like, hey, bud, get back. You can't be on the track. Like, right. that's an appropriate response. That's how a human being should talk to another human being. I agree. I mean, it was, uh, I'm trying to remember. It was my first, it was, uh, it, you know, they're all the same people, but I went to go run um, uh, cross-country um, invitational. It was run by the USATF. It was back, I was in college. It was my first time at, like, one of these official races. And I remember going up to the to sign up. And, um, there was all the track officials wearing their yellow jackets. And I was like, Hey, is this where you sign up? And he just like, he just looks at me, goes, he goes, read the sign. And I'm like, Oh, I, I didn't, I didn't see any sign. And he goes, he goes, I said, read the sign. And I, and he just like completely wouldn't even acknowledge me, wouldn't even talk to me. And it's just like, you guys, what is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? In their defense, they got to sit through a lot of heats of the 200. Like, okay. I was going to say, Trent, I'm not, I'm not going to put up with your Stephen A. Smith, just, you know, <laughs> going the other direction, just for the sake of going the other direction on this topic. But once you said 200, I agree. You know, anybody yeah. that's got to put up with all those heats of the 200, you know, they might be a little cranky. So, <laughs> um, so guys, I witnessed. What I, what I, in my opinion, is one of the greatest things I've ever seen at a track meet. I saw it on, on Flow Tracks Instagram, um, but this was in the 400-meter uh, hurdles at the SEC Championship. And this guy's name is, his, I think it's his actual name, is Infinite Tucker from Texas A&M. Nips his teammate at the line for the win by diving across the finish line. And if he didn't dive, he wouldn't have gotten the win. But he just full out, it was it was one of the most intense races. They were neck and neck all the way down the turn, all the way down the straightaway. And it looks like they're, they're pretty competitive each other. They know each other's style. And this guy is about to lose, and he just lays out full-on Superman across the, across the finish line. 
I think this is one of the most incredible things I've ever seen in, in the sport of track. Steve, I think when you say dive, you don't do it justice. He no. flew. The Superman is accurate. <laughs> he literally flew to the air. But I have, I guess, two takeaways that came from it. One, technique was amazing. It was, it was just, it looked like a diver out there. It was absolutely incredible. Two, this guy hates his teammate. <laughs> you do not get that extra motivation at the end and risk life and limb. If it's your teammate who you're like boys with and train with and you'd be all excited from the wind, if it was an op- opponent, it would make more sense to me. But that was his teammate. And it wasn't like, you know, crazy surge is competitive. I want to win. It was like, I will do anything to not let this guy win. Um, his teammate came over and like tried to, you know, you know, pat him on the head, say good job at the end, and he wanted nothing to do with it. No. They, there is some real feuding going on between those two. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, unbelievably courageous race, and the the footage of it, the video, is crazy and awesome and hilarious and special, and I, there's not enough words that I can describe that finish with. It was amazing. But. Uh-oh. Oh, boy. But, but here we go. I don't know if it helped him win. I don't. I really don't. Okay. And there's a reason that people aren't laying out in 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 dead sprints on every race. Okay. And the time it takes to launch off. And the thing is, a track race doesn't end when your hand. Like, like, I get why you dive in baseball, right? Because you stick your hand out and you grab the bag. But when your hand crosses the line, that's not when it finishes. It's, it's still, your head. It's your head and it's your chest. No, 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 no. So if it's a photo finish in that situation, when his head crosses. Okay. I, but I still don't think between just finishing your sprint and gearing I, I up get, to dive over the like ah, it, it was awesome and dramatic and amazing but i don't i don't know if it made his time any faster people like come on so i, I don't think it might have been slower it might have been slower here's where i'm gonna this is the only i i the, the basic premise of what you're saying i get i mean it's an old argument you don't dive in a first base it's way faster to run it out um you know you don't get any any advantage by by diving head first in the first but at the end of the 400-meter hurdles, 400-meter hurdles doesn't get enough credit for being a pretty grueling race. And so when they go into the home stretch, when it goes into the last 100 meters, he's actually in the lead. And his teammate's coming up behind him, and he starts to die. And it looks like he's about to get nipped at the finish line. And if he didn't dive, I don't think he has the – I don't think he had that step on him um, because he was falling back. If it was just a straight out sprint, if it wasn't a 400 meter hurdles, if it was if it was 100 meter hurdles or even a 100 100 meter race, I agree. Because if that was the case, if you do get an advantage, then you would dive on every single 100 meter race ever. But where he's coming back and he's so exhausted, I think that he loses that race without the dive. I think Steve's right for a different reason. Mike, your point is fair for mere mortals. Anyone that can fly through the air like this guy definitely was faster from jumping. His name is literally infinite. That is his first name. Okay. Like you can't fly unless your first name is infinite. <laughs> right. And okay. I, that's fair. That's something I didn't consider. Okay. That's, that, that's a, that's a, a great point. And, uh, 
but you know, and I feel like sometimes I get down rabbit holes with these takes, like trying to send in the past, but it's because like, I, I, I'm not trying to take away from this guy. What he did was awesome. It was one of my favorite track videos I've seen maybe ever, but at least in a very, very long time. I'm not trying to take anything away from him. I just am still not 100% sure it was an advantage in the race. And I, it could have been, and it, it might not have been. I just am unsure. It wasn't one of those things where I saw and I was like, oh, yeah, that's why he won. Like, undoubtedly, no question about it. My my first take was like, holy crap, that was amazing. Then my second was like, <laughs> he might have won anyways. <laughs> like, I don't know. That's where I'm at. I like that you don't let it take away from the awesomeness of it, whether it, it affected or not. Because I just had a thought in my head. What if the guy was running away with the race and just went the Superman time as the celebration? That would be awesome. That would yeah. be the coolest thing ever. Oh, man. Uh, that would be fantastic. <laughs> I, w- I want to run like just like your your average charity 5K, win it in like 19 minutes and Superman dive across the line. That would be awesome. <laughs> or what if he didn't win? What if he were just in the middle, right? You're just... You're in a hundredth place, and you go to dive past the person that's in 99th as you go and try and outkick the the hobby jogger beside you. <laughs> oh man, that'd be great. That'd be great. We need that. We need more of that. But needless to say, shocking video. First time I saw it, I like actually gasped. I was like, "Oh my goodness, that was crazy." But, um, anyways, Infinite Tucker, maybe we should try to reach out to him. He'd be a good guy to get on the podcast. See what he has to think. You know, yeah. I'll so, start. Uh, I'll start grinding. But, uh, you know, uh, coming to the end of the podcast, this was another great one. Another thanks to, to Chris Robertson for coming on. And if you're not following him on Instagram, you got to go do it. He's got a great Instagram with a, with a pretty cool following. Um, Mike, what do you want to leave our listeners with? I guess all I want to leave with, with is um, I need to think about Chris's advice that he gave me on the podcast today and – probably start running a little bit more we got this beer mile <laughs> coming up we um we're training for it we're grinding um and i've been focusing on the beer side of it and he's got me thinking that maybe i should focus a little bit more on the running side so you know i'm, I'm gonna get some sleep tonight sleep on it and uh, think about it and tomorrow morning we'll we'll figure out a new plan a new strategy Agreed. Yeah. The, the, the beer drinking only goes so far in the, in the beer mile. You still have to do the mile part. Trent, what do you got for the listeners? I am just want to tell everyone how much I'm rooting for you uh, this week, Steve. I want you Thank to kill the beer mile. I want you to crush it because I know that I am by far the best beer miler in this group. And so if you run a solid time, that means I will easily be able to take the Miller Lite, you know, record in the beer mile. So I hope you're within like three minutes because that's pretty much like, you know, the difference I'll have on the both of you guys. So um, go, Steve. Go kill it. I want you to make me feel better about my my chances at a world record. Don't poke the bear, Trent. Don't poke the bear because I'm coming for you after this. Well, speaking of poking the bear, I want to leave my listeners with this. I told Mike first week in, in February... Bruins are going to win the Stanley Cup. And I am sitting on a, a plus 1,900 uh, ticket from the first week in Fenway for the Bruins to win the Stanley Cup. So I'm feeling pretty damn good about myself. I want to run faster, but I peaked too early. Mike, hit me with the Josie. Josie's on a vacation far away.
I am 1000% confident that this is by far our best episode. With the cum- culmination of Chris's interview, the topics we just did, that was, I think this is going to be by far our best episode. Yeah, I love I this close. These last like 20 minutes were great. Yeah. This, uh, this job makes me like sympathize with Stephen A. Smith of the world. <laughs> you know, where it's like sometimes yeah. you just you go with a hot take because Some, someone's got to be that guy. <laughs> got to defend it till like ever. Chris, what's going on, man? Hey, not much. How are you guys? Doing yeah. good. How are you, man? Pretty good. Thanks for taking some time tonight, man. Yeah. Thank All you right. guys for having me on. I appreciate it. Nice. Oh, there you hey. are. Come in. Hey. Oh man, it's still nice and bright and shiny there. Where are you? It is uh, Chicago. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got about an hour of daylight left, so nice. Nice. Yeah. It's already starting to get dark here.